Amen. We're going to continue our teaching on tithes. Um, before we um, continue the teaching on tithes, I want you to understand how important uh, stewardship is when we're going into tithes. Because if you can be a steward, a manager over what God has given you, and he's given you his um, resources, he's given you um, what he has um, placed in our hands to be a faithful steward. So if we can understand that God owns everything, that nothing belongs to us, he has just placed those things in our hands to be managers. If we can tap into that, we will not have a problem in our giving. And I think the problem with the body of Christ is when you're not taught about stewardship, when you're not taught about tithing and the purpose of um, tithing and all of this, people hold back. And the reason why they hold back because they have a fear of not having enough. But when we understand the God that we serve and everything that God has done on our behalf and we develop that relationship with him outside of how we feel, outside of what our finances look like, outside of what our job is doing, we will be able to make it in this world. Because we're not in the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. So this is why that doing Clem, we're teaching basically on kingdom principles and how things should be as far as the kingdom. And by you learning these principles, it will not be hard for you to do what the word of God um, is asking you to do. Because we love the Lord and we love him because he first loved us. The most important thing is that relationship you have with him. The more of a relationship you have with God, it is not hard to do what he asks you to do. Because you're communing with him. You're fellowshipping with him. He's there for you. you depending on him and know that he has everything that you need outside of what it looks like. Anytime we hold on to anything or anyone, we're not trusting God. Anyone that you're holding on to, it means that you have not placed them into God's hands. That's material things, that's family, or whatever it may be. Sunday, I talked about denying yourself. When you deny yourself, you're making a commitment unto God. And all of us in this room, we have made a commitment unto God, saying, God, whatever you want us to do, that's what we're going to do. But how are we going to know what God wants us to do if we don't spend time with him? Sometimes we get lazy. Not all the time, but sometimes we get lazy and we put everything above God. And nothing in your life should take first place except him. When you put him first place, you're saying, God, I'm trusting you with everything that I have. I'm putting you above everything. And when you start there on a daily basis, you're not going to have a problem because what's going to happen is the more time you spend with him, that's um, where you're going to let go of the things that you've been holding on to more than you've been holding on to him. Amen. So we know that God owns everything. He has placed those things in our hands for us to be faithful over what he has given us. That's the first part that we've been teaching on is stewardship. Stewardship, a steward is a manager, a believer um, that has been born again, that has accepted Jesus and God is taking what he has and putting it into the believer's hand. Let's go back into tithing and what we have learned so far on tithing. But I really want you to understand being a steward over what God has given you. And you won't have a problem with the next part of this teaching, which is tithing. We learned that tithe is 10% of your income. 
Now, when we look at Todd, it started back with um, Abraham. And Abraham, um, him and Lot, they separated because there was strife in between them. And Abraham said, if you go left, I go right. If you go right, I'll go left. And the reason why Abraham did that because Abraham left everything because he was dependent upon God. The Bible said if Abraham was mindful of the country that he left in Hebrews 11 chapter, then he would have went back to what he was familiar with. That goes for us. Anytime we are mindful over who or what we have left behind, we end up going after those things. But when your focus is on Elohim, the creator, when your focus is on Jehovah Jireh, your provider, he's the source of everything. So when we focus more on him instead of focusing on people and things, we're not going to be mindful of those things. So if your mind is put more on worldly things than your mind is put on the things of God, you're going to go after the world more than you're going to go after the things that God has already provided. So Abraham, he left everything he was familiar with. And Lot, he separated from Abraham. And we see in um, Genesis, the 14th chapter, Abraham, he went out into battle. And he only had 318 men. And he was going against um, those kings that... Um, come against Lot and the families. So we know that Abraham, he won that battle. And when Abraham was coming back for battle, he met Melchizedek, and he was the um, uh, most high uh, priest. Let me go back. He was the, in verse 18, Genesis 14, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the most high God. So what he did, he was communing with Abraham. It was going into communion. And after he had communed with him, he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. Even Melchizedek rep, um, recognized that God was the possessor of heaven and earth, that God owned everything. So he began to tell Abraham he was blessed. And blessed be the most high God, which has delivered thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave him tithes of all. So he told him that, God was the one that delivered his enemies into his hand. So what Abraham did, he gave him a tenth of everything that he, the spoils he had gotten back. Why? Because he knew that if it wasn't for God being there for him, he would not be, have been able to win that battle. So he was showing an attitude of gratitude towards God. The Bible does not say that God told Abraham to give. So I want you to understand that Abraham done this on his own accord. So we're not going to even debate over this because people are saying, well, you know, all of that is in the Old Testament. Um, the Old Testament, you know, that's dealing with the law. But Abraham was before the law. And this is what Abraham chose to do from his heart. When we look at Genesis 28, we see how Jacob, um, he was um, laying on a stone and when he was laying on that stone before the Lord, the Lord began to speak to him and told him how he was going to bless him, how he was going to take care of him. Now, I want you to notice with both of these incidents, Abraham was already blessed. God told Abraham he was going to already bless him. So Abraham didn't do this to get anything from God because God had already provided it. Now, I want y'all to understand this. Abraham had already got the blessing from God. Jacob had already gotten the blessing from God. So this is telling you that both of these people did this from the heart. 
This is what they wanted to do. But Jacob made a vow. He said, Lord, if you do all what you told me, and it looks like Jacob was putting a stipulation on it. If you do all that you uh, told me, protect me, do all of this, God, I'm going to give you 10% of everything that comes in my hand. So this was his heart towards God. So notice in these two incidents, God had already blessed Abraham. He had already pronounced a blessing on Jacob. He was not going to go back. Um, on his word. So we have to remember that. Those were those two incidents. When we look back in the Bible after those incidents, tithing went into the law. And that's Leviticus 27, where tithing became a part of the law, meaning that this was a command of God. And if they didn't do this command, then it was stipulations based on what they didn't do. Tithing went up under the law. And Leviticus um, 27 30 through 34 this is the first of the lord's tide this tide belonged to the lord and the lord is telling them this is what i want you to do with it so the first or lord's tides this is what i'm calling the first tide the tide was used for the levites because they had no inheritance in the land and for their service in the tabernacle the levites they were um helpers um in the tabernacle they were workers in the tabernacle. So that means they did not leave that tabernacle. So they didn't have an inheritance. So God said, I'm going to be your inheritance. So he was telling the people, you know, the, the tide from the land, the fruit of the tree. He said, it is holy unto the Lord, meaning that I want this to be set aside. And he was going to use it for his use. So what God was saying, what you set aside, I want it to be given to the Levites because they're in the temple all the time. They're there working in the temple, doing the service of the Lord. They don't have an inheritance. So I want to make sure that they have something for their service. So he told them what they needed to give. And this was the first tithe that the Lord commanded them to give because of the Levites. Now, I want you to understand this. Even when the Levites, I gave you Leviticus 27, 30 through 34. And then I gave you Numbers 18, 20 through 22. And this is um, what the Lord was saying. Let me read Numbers 18, 20 through 22. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, thou shalt have no inheritance Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance, for their service, which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. And this is what he's saying that he has given them. So he wanted the people to honor them with what he asked them to give unto them. So this was the first tithe. But here's another part of that. When the Levites receive the tithe that they're giving them, God said, I want you to take 10% from what comes in your hand, and I want you to turn that over to Aaron. So they had to even tithe the Levites over what was put in their hands. And I'm going to give you an example dealing with um, what's happening today. Just like me and my husband, when, um, we're, when we're giving tithes or whatever we're giving, we turn back around and we give from what we have. Any minister that says, I don't suppose to give anything. No, all of us supposed to be givers unto the work of the Lord because 
our heart should be towards what God is doing concerning the kingdom. So we see that there was the Lord's tithe first or Lord's tithe. It's called the first tithe. I went over Leviticus 27, 30 through 34, Numbers 18, 20 through 22, and Numbers 18, 25 through 32. It speaks of the Levites giving 10% off of the tithe that they received from the people. So everybody had something to do with that first or the Lord's tithe. Remember that Lord's tithe, it was holy, it was set apart. So God was saying, this is what I want you to do with what belongs to me. First of all, God is the owner of everything. Everybody got that? He owns everything, and he tells us what to do with what's placed in our hands. So this was the first tithe. Now I'm going to talk about the second tithe. There was a second tithe, and the reason why I'm going over all of this because when we get into the New Testament, we're going to understand why things change. The second tide. This tide is called the festival tides. It was used to rejoice and worship God for all that the Lord has done for them. This tide was used to cover expenses at the national times of feast. So with this tide, the second tide, what God was saying, he said, I want you to lay aside these things because I'm going to tell you the place that I want you to go to worship in my name. And when you go to that place, y'all going to be celebrating what I have done on your behalf and how I have blessed you. So there was another tithe that had to be set aside for celebration um, and go to the place that God would have them to go. I'm going to verify that in Deuteronomy 12, verse 5 through 14. So this is something that they had to set aside in their household. It could not be celebrated in their home. It was going to be celebrated in a place that God would have them to go to to honor him. It was like telling, Lord, I thank you for what you have done for me. I thank you for what you have blessed me with. So when everybody, I'll, I'll put it this way. You know how we have the church anniversary and we set that time aside it's not to worship me or my husband or us. It's for us to come together and give God glory for where he's brought us from and from what God has done even with this church, with Miracle Temple. So we're in celebration. That means that we set something aside. Is that not what we do? We have things that we want to have done. Sometimes, you know, our feast may include eating. So we tell people this is what it's going to take for us to do this, that, or the other. Some people say, well, that's up under the Old Testament. But when your heart is right and you see God doing a work and you see what God is doing, there's a time that God wants you to celebrate. But in celebration, we're honoring him for what the Lord has placed in our hands and for what we have done with what God has placed in our hands. So that was a feast. That was a time of celebration, a time of rejoicing to say, Lord, we thank you because you're the one that have blessed us with what we have. God, we wouldn't have what we have if you had not blessed us with it. So go back and read Deuteronomy 12, verse 5 through 14. But I'm going to read verse 5. I'm reading out the Amplified. It says... But you shall seek the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his dwelling place. And there shall you come. And there you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithe and the offerings of your hands 
and your vows and your free will offerings and the firstlings of your herd and your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice in all to which you put your hand, you and your households in which the Lord your God has blessed you. And you can read on from verse 8 through verse 14. But this is dealing with the festival where they come together and they celebrate and they begin to rejoice in what God has blessed them with. Isn't that awesome? And you can also find that in Deuteronomy chapter 14, 22 through 26. Deuteronomy chapter 14, 22 through 26. Let me give you another definition. But of course, you can go back on the website and you can listen again and you can get that definition. Sometimes we miss stuff in here because we're trying to write everything down. But remember, you can go back and pick it up. Amen. I'm going to read it again. The second tide. It's a festival tide was used to rejoice and worship God for all that the Lord had done for them. This tide was used to cover expenses at the national times of feast. And when I say to cover expenses, everybody know that when we come together and everybody participate in what we're doing, guess what? Everything is covered, right? Because everybody is bringing into the house what's needed for us to have that celebration. Amen. Um, I look at it like this. Do you know how we celebrate birthdays? We celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate weddings. We do a lot of celebrating, right? How many um, doing those celebrations know that it takes money to celebrate, right? We give little dinner parties. We do little, um, how many of us have Notice someone that has always worked and never asked anybody for anything. And the Lord may lay on somebody's heart during the time of their birthday to say, let's give them a birthday celebration. Because we give God glory for the time and stuff that they have put in. Um, because if it wasn't for the Lord using them, they wouldn't be able to do what they do. So let's say God put it on somebody's heart. And as he put it on somebody's heart, someone would say, this is what, you know, the Lord has put on my heart. And if there's anyone that want to join me in doing this, then let me know. Okay? So you get several people that they will come together and say, you know, I'll help you with this. What do you need? So by the time they get it all together, they got this big feast going on. And they're honoring this person because this person honors God. And everything that they do in the work of their hands, they don't make it about them. They make it about God. So God touched, let's say, Athea's heart and put it on Athea's heart to bless that person. So Athea said, well, Lord, if there's anybody else that see what I see that can come in with this celebration, Lord, show me or have me to announce the ones that want to be a part. So they get that celebration together and everybody do their part to bring it together. Athea is not by herself. God used the works of everybody's hands to bring that together. And everybody began to rejoice, not in the person, but rejoice in God for using that person to be a part of Teresa's life, to be a part of Barbara's life, to be a part of Sister Deborah's life, and how they denied themselves to help others when they didn't have. This is what celebrations is about. It's about what God has done through people. It's not the people you celebrate and you celebrating the God in the people because God had you to notice that individual. So we do weddings. We, we celebrate. Um, I know me and my husband, we renewed our vows. We didn't have a wedding um, when we first got married. So when we re 
renewed our vows. The thing was, God put it all together because the church was coming together at the same time. We wanted to have the ceremony in the church, so things had to be done. God knew what it was going to take to get it done, and because God was in it and because he knew my heart, People were just pouring in. Well, I'll do this. Well, I'll do that. Let me help you with this. Let me help you with that. And everything was coming together. See, we celebrate things like that, right? But when you celebrate things and you give in glory to God for what God has done in my life, in my husband's life, by bringing us together through the good times, through the hard times. It ain't about me looking so glamorous for people to see me. It ain't about all of that. It's about, Lord, I want to glorify you. If there's nobody but me and my husband, I want to lift you up. I want to give you glory. I want to give you honor. I want to give you praise. And how I know that God was in it, I remember I asked Pastor Annie George to do our ceremony. And as I walked in, Pastor Annie was sitting there just crying. Just crying at the pulpit. I said, okay, Lord, help her, Lord. Help her, Jesus. But the relation, she knew my heart, and I knew her heart. So God wants the right people to be a part of these celebrations. He wants his glory to be revealed, not in people. What I mean, the glory is going to come through people, but he said, it's not about us. Everything we do is supposed to be about him because we're putting him first. So they were doing these celebrations, giving glory to who? God. They had a fear of God. They had an awe of God because they knew what I'm bringing to you. Y'all got to check this out. Back then, God blessed the fruit of their land. When they planted and did these things, God blessed it. And God said, in order for this land to be blessed, in order for this land to bring forth, this is what you got to do. That was under the old covenant. So they had to keep um, all those standards of God in order for their land to be blessed. If they stepped out of order to what God told them, they wouldn't get no rain. Their stuff would die. So everything had to be according to the way that God would have it to be. But what God wanted them to know is, if you put me first, putting God's first mean you obeying what he says. When you put him first, nobody else matter at that time but him. God, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. I love my husband, but whatever God say first. And then God will get him in the place he need to be to join in with me. And just like him, he's supposed to obey God. And then God will put me in the place to be with him. So when you put God first, nothing is out of order. He must be first. So we see dealing with the second tide. It was the festival um, tide. It was where they came in and they rejoiced. Now there was a third tide. Did anybody know all these tides in the Bible? That's why we're going over them. There was a third tide. And the third tide, listen at this. Every third year, a tenth of the person's increase during that time was given to the Levite the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. It was stored away, and at the end of every three years, it was bought out and distributed to these individuals. The reason for this tithe is so they will not forget those in need. Is that not awesome? The third tithe, every third year, a tenth of the person's increase during that time was given to the Levites. Remember, the Levites were the ones that were working in the tabernacle. The stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. 
It was stored away, and at the end of every three years, it was bought out and distributed to these individuals. The reason for this tithe is so that they will not forget those in need. This can be verified. Deuteronomy 14, 28 through 29. And let me read that, and I'm reading out the expanded Bible. Deuteronomy 14, 28 through 29. At the end of every third year, everyone should bring one-tenth a tithe of that year's crop and store it in your towns, in your gates. This is for the Levites, so they may eat and be full. They have no land of their own, allotment or inheritance among you. It's also for strangers, foreigners, residents, aliens, orphans, and widows who live in your towns, your gates, so that all of them may eat and be full. Then the Lord, your God, will bless you and all the work you do of your hands that you do. Is that not awesome? God gave them a promise. This was for the poor. This was for the Levites. And this is what we do here at Miracle Temple when it comes to people that are in need. When money come in, what we do, we have the, um, the um, help me, um, Holy Ghost, the uh, Jews, international Jews, we bless them. And we also do um, World Vision. We bless them. And the reason why we do that, because I feel like there's people that are in need, that need help, that need money. So we've been sowing into them for what? About 10 years. So we make sure that we give out of what we get in this house to those people. Why? Because I don't think that has ended. And even people that are, that are around us in the community, as the Lord say give, we will give. But we have a benevolence form that they have to fill out because you have some tricksters out there. They have churches that they belong to. They try to get from those churches. They try to get from this church. So what we have to do is give them the word of the Lord, and we have to show them what the word of God says, and we have to manage what God has put in our hands in a good way. Amen? So we do give into other organizations for the poor because I feel like everybody um, have needs, right? But we want to make sure that we're taking God's money and we're putting it where it needs to be put. So this was the third tithe. So we did the first tithe, the second tithe, and the third tithe. The first tithe was the Lord's tithe. This was what the Lord was telling them to give to the Levites for the work of the congregation, for the work of the tabernacle, and to give to them because they had no inheritance. The second tithe was a festival tithe where they would um, lay aside what God was asking for so they can come together and celebrate, um, dealing with the blessings that God had given all of them. The third tithe is a every third year, tenth of a person's increase that was given to the Levites, um, basically to the poor, to foreigners, to strangers, to widows. Amen? So let's talk about another tithe. Y'all got those three, right? I'm going to go to another one that speaks of it in the Bible. The government tithe. Hallelujah. How can we leave the government out? Amen. The government tithe. This is what the government tithe was in the Old Testament. When Israel chose to have a king over them, they imposed upon themselves another tithe. It was a self-imposed tax tithe for the upkeep of the kingdom and the support of his revenue. This comes in in 1 Samuel 8, 10 through 22. 
And I believe y'all familiar with this passage. This was when the people wanted another king. God was not good enough to be their king. God evidently wasn't supplying everything they needed to have supplied. Evidently, God wasn't winning battles like they wanted him to win. The people actually wanted a king because all the other nations had a king. So they wanted a king. They wanted to be like the other nations. And Samuel was hurt even in the process of them wanting all of this. But God told Samuel, give them what they asked for. Give them this king. And I'm going to tell you what this king is going to do. Let's read a little bit about what the king is going to do. I'm going down to 1 Samuel 8. And I'm going to begin at verse 12. 1 Samuel 8, 12. But start at um, verse 10, but I'm going to 12. He will make some of your sons commanders over thousands or over fifties. He will make some of your other sons plow his ground fields and reap his harvest harvest his crops. He will take others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to make perfume and cook and bake for him. He will take your best fields, your vineyards, your olive groves, and give them to his servants, officials, attendants. Listen at 15. He will take one-tenth a tithe of your grain, crop, seed, and grapes, vineyards, and give it to his officers and servants. He will take your male and female servants, your best cattle, your donkeys, and use them all for his own work. He will take one-tenth the tide of your flocks, and you yourself will become his slaves. Isn't that something? That's the government tide. So we learned about those tides, right? Now, I got one more for you. The tides of the people. This was dealing, this is what the tides of the people is. In the tides of restoration from Babylon, they took a tide of the people to be used in the Lord's work at Jerusalem. And this is dealing in Nehemiah. Y'all remember when those walls had to be built and all that had to be done? Nehemiah 10, 37 through 39. And what they did, they put all of these tides in the storehouse so they would use it um, for the upbuilding dealing with the kingdom. So this is the tithes of the people. They were storing it up so they would have it for the upbuilding of the kingdom. Is this not awesome? Now, do y'all see all these tithes? I want you to remember these tithes, and I told you why God put these tithes in place. And the reason why I'm going there is because I'm going to a familiar passage. Go with me to Malachi. And we're going to close on Malachi. And we're going to understand why God said this in the book of Malachi and why preachers should not be using this to get people to pay tithes. And if I have ever told you this, I must have been drunk. If I have ever told you this, that you're going to be cursed if you don't pay your tithes, I must have been drunk. And y'all should have checked my head. Because I don't think I never told Miracle Temple that. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. This is what preachers are using to get people money. Will a man rob God? Have y'all heard that before? Will a man, how is anybody going to rob God? Will a man rob God? And this is why they're saying that. Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes 
and offering. Ye are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, and there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there should not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, said the Lord of hosts. Listen at this. This is why God said this to the people. You remember everything I gave you tonight on the tithes. And you know how God told them, this is what I want you to do with those tithes, right? They did not do what God told them to do with the tithes. They were giving God sick animals. They were not giving God the best of their flocks. They started doing opposite of what God wanted them to do. So God was letting them know, you're not doing what I tell you to do, so you're going to be cursed because you're not obeying my commandments. Remember this, Jesus redeemed us from what? The curse of the law, right? So if you don't pay your tithes, you're not going to be cursed, but who wouldn't want to give to God? See, don't make people think, see, don't have a fear of, if I don't give my tithes, this is going to happen in my house. You're already speaking what's going to happen in your house. But we're going to go into the New Testament and understand why you should give. Now, Paul breaks it down a different way, but you're still giving. Giving has not stopped for the kingdom. Paul just coming in a different way, dealing with the new covenant. That's all. We up under a better covenant. We shouldn't be up under 10. 10% was a guideline. This is what the standard was. Abraham done it. So the Levites come out of the loins of Abraham. So they followed what their father Abraham did. So they were paying tithes in the loins of Abraham. That's what Hebrews chapter 7 says. But we don't base our giving on law. Oh, we're going to get deep in this. And when I taught this before, I'll never forget. And I told my husband, I said, I'm going to prove something. I'm going to prove to you that people wasn't giving the right way. As soon as I did the teaching to let people know, you don't base your giving off of 10%. Because we are from the new covenant. It's based on your heart. It's based on what your heart is. And wherever your heart is from God, that's what you're going to give according to your heart. We don't put nobody up under obligation because every household have different income. Listen to what I say. Everybody cannot give maybe what Renee can give. Everybody cannot give what Sister Deborah can give. God know what's in your house. That's why when you have relationship with God, when you start tithing from your heart, it's above 10%. 10% is just a guideline. He used that to give them something to go by. Now, if you still choose to give 10% because that's where your heart is, I'm not going to say stop. I'm not. But you got to know where your heart is. You don't give out of fear. You don't give out of, I'm going to be cursed. Something's going to happen in my house. No, 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 no. You don't give that way. You give from your heart. You give out of love. That's how we give. It's just like throwing something at somebody and say, here. And act like you've done something. You're not getting blessed from that. Everybody know where their heart is for this ministry. And when I taught on this before, oh my goodness. Ties dropped. 
because somebody said, oh, I don't have to get 10% no more. So their heart wasn't right. And then they didn't even give nothing no more. I'm teaching you this because y'all should know by now that me and my husband is not trying to force you to give anything. I don't even check tithes, y'all. The only time that I look at um, the tithes and stuff, if I'm having a leadership meeting and all of us supposed to be on one accord and you a leader and we here to um, help one another dealing with the kingdom, I feel as leaders, if you're going to lead somebody, just like me leading you, I can't tell you to give into the kingdom and me and my husband are not giving into the kingdom. So I'll say, well, let me see how my leaders are doing. By the way, I can't um, check the, I don't check your paychecks. So I don't know what you get. That's your business, right? So how would I know anyway if you're giving the best from your heart? I wouldn't, right? I wouldn't. But if I see a leader that is supposed to be on one accord according to the kingdom to be a giver, and I'm seeing them want to, you know, lead, but don't want to do like everybody else doing. Is that right? How can you lead somebody when you feeling like I don't supposed to do nothing? So what I'm saying is we're going to learn about tithes and how we supposed to give. And I feel like if people say tithes went out up under the old covenant, Paul still wouldn't be talking about giving. They just doing it in a different way. God wants your heart, y'all. When you give God your heart, nobody don't have to tell you what to do or how to do it because what happens is God will unction you. Do y'all remember that service I done? I can't remember what I was teaching on, but I remember apostle. An apostle come up here and laid money down. She said, I did it because God had unctioned me to do it. And she said, what had happened was before I left home, God told me to go get some money out the bank. So I'm thinking, I'm getting the money out the bank. And maybe it's something that's going to come up that I need the money for. So she said, I went to the teller before I um, came to church. And she said, the Lord told me while you was teaching, lay that down. That was from her heart. When you do stuff from your heart, y'all, there's nothing missing and nothing broken. You're not going to miss anything because God is your supplier. We do not make anybody feel like they are obligated or they got to do because somebody else have done. I always tell people. I always told the special event team. People hearts are not in the right place. Everybody ain't going to do like everybody else. You can't expect somebody to do this and the other person to do that. Because they are different. We all part of the kingdom. But they haven't gotten there yet. So we can't hold grudges against people because they haven't arrived yet. But we do want to be honest. Amen. We don't want to say we're going to do and really from the heart, we really don't want to do. But we know it's a name on the books and we want to make sure we got something beside that name. No, you don't do it like that. That's why I'm telling you, you have to spend time with God. You have to have a relationship with him in order to do kingdom business. This is about the kingdom. I'm going to give you another example. And I know Sister Denise and Brother Willie don't mind. When I first met Sister Denise, and I didn't know her that well, but I knew her heart through hearing God. And I remember she had come to me and she said, I want a tithe, but my husband hasn't gotten there yet. She said, but I want a tithe. And I don't think 
um, Brother Willie was a part of the church yet. She said, I don't want nothing to go between me and my husband. She said, but my heart want to give, but my husband handle things, and, you know, this is how I feel. So I told her, I said, well, did he give you money? She said, yes. I said, well, use what he give you and just, you know, tithe. She said, okay. So she did that for a while, and guess what? I ain't only get her money, I got his too. Did I come against your husband? I did not. I didn't come against her. And then, let me tell you what happened. She started increasing the more and more. She started increasing more and more. Did I tell you what to give? Never did. Can anybody in here say I have ever told you or pull you aside and say, let me see what you make because your ties suck. Come on, have I ever done it to anybody since y'all have known me? Have I ever asked you what you make? Come on, I don't hear nobody. So I'm going to ask you this. Why are people worried about me and my husband? Tell me, because it's traditions in churches. People want to know all about the pastor business, but you don't want the pastor in your business. I don't think that when you go to Food Line or Piggly Wiggly or they ask you before you pay for that grocery, let me see your paycheck. Let me see if you got enough grocery from us. You might need to go get some more. <laughs> Do the mall ask you what you make when you buying stuff out the mall? No, they just take your money, right? You don't even look back because you done got the clothes, right? Why is there a problem in the body of Christ when it comes to giving in God's house? Somebody answer that for me. Come on, let's talk about it. Come on, Tyson, come up here. We're going to talk about it. Because we're going we're gonna to go into this um, the, the following week because we're going to get into the new. But tell me, why is there a problem when it comes to giving to the kingdom? Get your mic. It's because when you're not... Um, there yet and then you are you are following Christ and when we are not there yet we have a problem with it okay everybody understand what Tyson is saying yeah because when when we give wholeheartedly and get to understand Christ and, and and follow his his word we will understand but when we're still in the world we can come in here every day every every Sunday but when we are not there, we're not going to understand. Okay. Anyone else? We're peculiar people. Anyone else? Come on, y'all. Let's talk about it. Why y'all scared? Come on, let's talk about it. These are things we don't want to talk about, but we need to talk about them because there's people out there that need to understand there's a problem when it comes to kingdom business, but there ain't no problem when it comes to worldly business. When somebody want a car, when somebody want a house, do you check them people out before you sign that contract or do you sign it and walk out of there like you got something? Hello? Go ahead. I believe it's like, for example, you know, it's what we get out of it. You know, you go to the mall, you're going to see what your money got. You know, like she said, you get a car, you're going to enjoy that, but you come to the house of God, you put your money, you want to know where it's going, what can I get out of it, what I benefit from. What are you getting then? Tell me what you're getting from the kingdom. Come on, Kim. 
mean, like we were just taught before, if you don't know that God owned everything and that's where your possessions are, which is in the word of God, you are going to look to the world and what the world can give you and what you can get out of it. And people look at the church as, what can I get out of the church? Not what I can give into the church. Because the church is where we're supposed to help others, like we just learned tonight. With even the Levites, they did in a third um, tithing. The money was given so the community could be helped too. You know, the people, whoever's in need. And if we're if our minds is on our possession and what we can do and how we can do it, we're not giving it to God and saying, God, this belongs to you because you own everything. And because you've given it to me and you trust me with it, I'm giving back to you what belongs to you and more. That's how I see it. Anyone else? Come on, Jamie. Huh? What did she say? You can come on up, Jamie. Apostle Cross says jealousy is like crabs in a bucket. I guess what she's saying is, you know, don't want you to get ahead of them. You know, you see you're trying to get somewhere. They weren't trying to pull you back, you know. That's the jealousy, you know. Jamie. <laughs> I think some people are still stuck on the fact that this woman, she labors in the word. And I think some people, they're like, well, what does she do? She don't, you know, do nothing that she deserves. I mean, I'm just, that when we give, we should be giving to God and see, you know, giving to him. What they do with their money, that's their business. They, just like she said, what they get, they give unto God. And, I mean, that's just... We should be, I mean, none of us know what she has to go through. And that, that's her job. She's laboring. What's the scripture, Brother Manny, where it talks about muzzling the ox? And that trade the corn. This, this is what God has called her to do. And true men, women and men of God that do that, that's, I mean, why should we question it? But that's, that's what I feel. I mean, you, you got to take your eyes off of them. Thank you, Jamie. Amen. That the world, the enemy sets up because the enemy doesn't want the gospel to go forth. And we know that it takes money for the gospel to go forth. And so the enemy comes at um, Christians, and especially in the world, they set... They set up pastors, and I'm, well, I'm going to say it like this. They set up hirelings. And so the world sees the people that are living big, and they're spending money on big living, and then they'll go, oh, God, don't give it to the church. And that's, you know, that, that's a worldly thing. And they want it, the enemy wants to make God's house look bad. And what stood out to me a while ago when you were talking about um, when the people wanted a king, Look how what they had, but then when God gave them what they thought they wanted, look at what got oppressed upon them. The world's way took every, just about everything. I mean, they became a slave to the kingdom. And that's what we've done in the world is when we've 
take on, let me go get this, I want a car and I want a house and I want all this stuff and so let me go get credit for it. And so we become a slave to that and the same way that that the enemy deceived Eve in the garden by saying, God don't want you to be like him. And, you know, what they didn't realize was they already were like him. (laughs) And so it's the same way. Um, we've got it made. We've got everything, just like what Kim said. God's already given us everything, but the world's trying to deceive us and say, you don't have, you don't have enough. And they don't look at not only what, what they do and how much time she spends in the Word, and, but it takes lights, it takes insurance, it takes, I mean, everything that you have to run a house, look how much you know, larger and what more it does take for just a building to, to be here for us. So. Amen. It's, um, people want to get in the church business, but don't want you to get in their business. People want to be pastors, but don't know what it takes to shepherd God's people. Because if I have quit a long time ago when it looked like it was nothing coming in, then I wouldn't have been a good shepherd. I would have been a hireling. I would have let y'all be scattered when people refused to pay their tithes because I moved up into another house. See, there's a difference. But when you obey God with what he puts in your hand, let me ask you a question. How many get a raise every year? Nobody? Do you get raises on your job about every year? Even Social Security gives you a raise, don't it? How many get raises? How many go up on your prices and that give you more money? Don't you have to increase your prices because the economy go up? Right? I'm going to tell y'all something. You think I'm lying. Me and my husband have been getting the same salary since I've been here. Have I increased with the same salary? Help me, somebody. Things in my life are still going on with the same salary. I did get an increase, but I gave it back to the church. Yeah. Who does that? See, some of y'all think y'all know me, but you don't. Some of you probably still, you mean, yes, it's been, what, 10, 15 years? 2004 for him. That man left a job in 2000 that was paying 50000 a year. Do he get that now? No. See, y'all don't know. Y'all better know the shepherds that y'all are up under. I'm not trying to take your money. I'm trying to get you in a place for the kingdom so we can win souls. So you can be taught. It's people that quit jobs because somebody won't give them a raise. It's people that go after jobs with a higher pay but can't be faithful over the little that they have. God know you ain't right. So he said, why are you going higher when you can't even be faithful over 10? Now you want 15. There's a difference. And you know why it's working for us? Because we walk by faith and not by sight. So anytime you want to ask me, ask me. And when you ask me what you get, I'm going to ask you what you get. (laughs) When you ask me how I'm paying for what I got, I'm going to ask you, how you paying for what you got? You ask me, I ask you, how about it? Me and my husband are just showing you God. We're showing you his glory. Soon as we pull up, people want to know how I get it. I didn't get it from you. God blessed it. 
We follow the leading of the Holy Ghost on, and then he touched people's hearts for what we're going after. Y'all, this is no lie. Me and my husband got that BMW. My husband was in there saying, now, come on now. It's, it's time for us to get another car. You know we're traveling back and forth. My Lexus had over 200 and some thousand miles on it. We're going to uh, up there every week with Ariel back and forth. And my husband said, come on now. It's about time for us. And I'm sitting there. So we just going to look, y'all. And the funny part is every time I go look, I done made up my mind. We're not bringing nothing back home. We got to understand it, right, honey? Yeah, we got to understand it. So I'm sitting there. We're pulling the lot. I said, what's that right there? So I'm sitting in there with the man, and the man say, I'll tell you what I'll do, um, Miss Bryant. He said, um, I said, I'll tell you what you do. Write it up, and I'll take it to my bank. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I was manipulating that man because my <laughs> husband knew I'm not taking not a thing to the bank, right? He knew my husband sitting there looking at me, and I'm looking at the man. I said, go ahead and write it up. Write it up. We'll get back with you, my husband looking at me. So the man said, well, I wrote it up for you, and um, this is a... Uh, how about we go through um, our bank? And I'm sitting there, and I heard, he said, let's just go drive the car. I'm driving the car. I'm here, and the Holy Spirit said, that's your car. Go ahead and get that car. <laughs> that's exactly where I was. When I sat back down, the Lord said, it's yours. The man said, well, let me run it through our dealership, because right now, we got a 3% going on. He was back in five minutes. Said, it's already yours, no down payment. Well, not too much of a down payment. But guess what? God did that thing. Because you know what? He knew I wasn't after that. See, you got to know when it's God or when it's you. Me and my husband don't just try to do because somebody else is doing. We have to go to God and say, God, how do you want us to handle this? You know where we are. And guess what? The salary didn't change. This is what I'm telling you. Know who you up under. And when somebody's talking about who you up under and saying, look how they live and look what they drive and what you got, you need to answer them according to the word and not according to what the devil is saying. Because I already know. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Do we have anybody else before we dismiss? Jennifer. No. Amen. And people don't believe it. He's good. God gets blamed for the storms. He gets blamed. This is it. This is really. I mean, tell me where he gets it from. He ain't got disease in hell. So where did he get it? He must have got it through the pigs. But they blame God for everything. And, you know, like he's vengeful and going to get somebody. And they don't believe it. They don't believe the word is true. They don't believe the word is real. They don't believe this is God's word. Well, anyone else before we dismiss? Come on, Carlton. You got to turn it on. Yeah, I just want to say, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, the word of God says those that labor in the word are supposed to be treated with double honor. And double honor means substance. I mean, you're supposed to give something. I mean, just like, you know what I'm saying, people that's, you know what I'm saying, the government and stuff, they get, they, they get salaries and stuff like that. And I feel as though, you know what I'm saying, you all, you and your husband, y'all labor in the word on our behalf, you know what I'm saying? And 
people don't understand. Substance means you're supposed to give something. It, it, it don't mean, you know what I'm saying, I just say, well, hey, apostle, I love you or whatever. You know what I'm saying? They're laboring always before God on our behalf and even other people's behalves too. So therefore, she's, they, she's supposed to be treated with double honor. You know what I'm saying? That means substance. And a lot of times, I think it's a hard thing, you know what I'm saying, and a mindset thing. When I say that, you know what I'm saying, because people's hearts and their mindset ain't there, you know what I'm saying? So if they don't have a heart to give, they're not going to give, you know what I'm saying, because their heart's not there, you know what I mean? So, you know, I would just say, you know what I'm saying, the thing about it, you see a lot of times, Apostle, you say, People see the glory, but they don't know the story. And the thing about that is, you know what I'm saying, they see all these things, but they don't know the hell you went through and things that you went through to get where you're all at right now. Amen. Kim, leave it on, Carlton. I remember before we got to where we are now, and you didn't see the glory where, you know, God was blessing Pastor and, and um, Brother James. But before, I ain't going to say everybody gave because it was problems then too. But people give whenever it looked like you don't have. But there when God go. start blessing you with something, there you go. then people hold back because they feel like, oh, what well, they got. I'm not going to give up what I have to give into them, and they already have. And I think that's what people look at too. Just people in general, people in the world, period. They look at other people and like, oh, it gives them gratification. I give to you because you need. But if you had something, and I remember this one person gave to me, and I was like, God, I thank you because it's not that I need it, but she was being obedient, and God was trying her on, on her obedience. And she gave out of what she had to give to me. And I didn't feel like I needed it, but she was being obedient. And it's the same thing. You know, it's just obedience. If God is saying bless, you bless. You just got to do what he says and don't think about what you feel you should do. And I just believe that. I believe people in general, it's easier to give somebody that needs. But someone that look like you think they have, oh, I'm going to hold back on them. Amen. And I want to say what you choose to do with your money is your business. But if I choose to do something with my money that you didn't do, that's my business. You may see what I done with my money, but you can't see what you done with yours. That's your business. So if I do right with mine and you do wrong with yours, why are you talking about me? It's, it's with anybody in the room. Let's say Teresa. Teresa chose to go get a vehicle. Let's say Renee, using them for an example, Renee chose to go get something else with what she had left. Everybody see Teresa's vehicle, but they don't see Renee's. Everybody have a choice with what you do. Either you get this or you get this. You have to make that choice for yourself. But don't get mad at that person because somebody is seeing what choice they made, but they can't see the choice you made. That's the problem with the world. Everybody make choices, and everybody's choice is not made the same way. So don't get mad at a person because they got something new. You had the opportunity to get it, but you chose not to. So why are you mad? They the one got to pay for it. Hallelujah. You're not paying for it, and then you're waiting on them to lose it. Let's see how long they keep it. Church folks. What happened to your vehicle? I don't see it in the morning. And it had blessed on the tag. 
What happened to blessed? <laughs> then people trying to justify it. What happened? <laughs> Amen. Come on, deacons. <laughs> God give it to 